0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. It's actually more comfortable to say you are worthy diva than it is for me to say I am worthy. I don't know what that is. Good morning. Hi, Bange. Welcome. All oh, the waving. <laughs> it is good to be here. I'm I don't know how many of you are flooded with sentiment, but I'm going to add my sentiments to the sentiments that have already been shared. Uh, Two years ago, when we became a fire shelter, there was just no space for me, a shelter manager, to find my emotions. I needed to get all the way through being a shelter to find my emotions. And this time around, Diva, I'm with you. I couldn't believe how much we had learned and that we were becoming good at this skill that we need in order to be the church to our community and the beauty of becoming better at this was that there was more space for me to find my emotions real time. So oddly enough, this time around, I, I fought my tears a lot more. And maybe that's because I knew how hard it had been to recover from two years ago. So I don't know what shape you're coming in this morning, uh, but it's good to be together. It's just good to be together. So, this morning we're wrapping up a series called I Am. And uh, the first two teachings in this series, I was back in the next gen department doing my thing back there. So, I got to binge watch this week the first two that Ron gave. And oh my, if you missed either of them or both of them like me, it is worth your time. It is worth your time. This series is intended to give us the ability to say with confidence who we are. And it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter your resume. It doesn't matter whether you were a believer in Jesus or you're not a believer in Jesus. There are things that are true about you. There are things that are true about me that we struggle to sink in. And this series is intended to help us get that maybe intellectual knowledge that maybe God says that we are enough, but we don't feel it, or that at times when we've really accomplished something, we feel like we're worthy. But in the times when we're failing at everything, I said to my husband yesterday, he just asked how I was. And I'm like, failing. That's how I am. I, like, I couldn't look at a space in my world that wasn't behind. And I sat down at my computer to try to catch up, and I, I didn't, because <laughs> who does ever it didn't? But I got done, and he was like, hey, how are you doing now? I'm like, I'm way better. And it wasn't because I caught up. It was because I emailed out about 50 apologies yesterday, and I felt better just for having confessed I'm letting everyone down. <laughs> like, I don't know how you're doing, but yesterday I didn't feel worthy, because we often put are definitions of these things based on the wrong stuff. So if you missed either one of those teachings, they're on our website. You don't have to watch them. You could just pop in your earbuds and and go with it and listen to them. They are so powerful. So today we're going to wrap that one up with hopefully moving from a head knowledge of what God says about our worthiness into a feelings thing. But I want to highlight one thing out of what Ron said in the first one when, we, when he said, I am who God says I am. He gave a true definition of humility that is so worth saying again. Maybe it is worth putting on your you know, bathroom mirror with a dry erase marker. But true humility isn't thinking less of ourselves. True humility is embracing all of ourselves. And that If we could just get that one sentence, I think in some ways Christians actually have a worse time at humility because we think in order to be humble, I need to constantly look at my failings and I need to not be prideful about the things that I am good at. And we miss God's definition of humility, which is just agree with me about everything that you are, everything, embrace the whole thing. And then in the second week, I thought he did, it was so helpful. This is a VHS tape. Yeah, 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 we still have a player for this. <laughs> but he used this analogy that we often have created, or life has created tapes in our head that say things over and over and over again. And every once in a while, I get surprised by the tape in my head being positive. Most often, The thing that it says when it's positive is, this is so much fun. This is so much fun. (laughs) Every once in a while I get that. But for the most part, the tapes in our head are negative. And in week two of this series, he talked about, I thought it was so powerful. He gave, here's a tape that most of us play. What if when this tape shows up, what if we say this instead? And he gave a whole bunch of juxtaposed statements that were really insightful and helpful Totally worth going back and listening to. So today, as we talk about worthiness, you know how they say a picture is worth a thousand words. I don't know how much, how many words a video is worth. But I, uh, how many of you have seen the movie The Greatest Showman? Oh yeah, that is it's worth that. Woot woot! Yeah, such an amazing thing. So as long as I'm recommending videos, I'm going to highly recommend The Greatest Showman. It is like the most beautiful picture of identity. It is such a beautiful picture of acceptance. There's so many themes in this thing, including workaholism and getting your worthiness from the wrong spot. Like it, we could have just shown this movie this morning. However, that was an incredibly powerful movie, but there's one particular song that has really stood out. The soundtrack is incredible, but This Is Me is a song that just... At the heartbeat of what we want to say about ourselves, but we find so hard to say. And the singer of that song is Keala uh, Settle. And she had a journey of her own to get to a place where she could actually perform that song. So this morning, before we talk about how to build this sense of worthiness in our lives, I want to show you what it looks like when it clicks. This is a behind-the-scenes video from the making of uh, The Greatest Showman, and I just want us to soak it in. It's like four minutes, so settle back. Let's try to provide popcorn. Benjamin Justin have just written this new song called This Is Me, and uh... We knew that it was going to be the anthem of the film, um, but no one had heard it before. And no one had heard Kiala sing it live. Kiala who I didn't even want to come out from behind the music stand. I didn't. I, I kept saying to her, just step out because this is your moment and you have to step out into the ring, metaphorically, because that's what you're doing and you've got to stand right there in front of everyone and just belt this out. And I didn't want to. In fact, I stood behind that music stand yeah. until the day of that presentation there was a moment in the song that i actually was so scared that i had to actually grab hugh's hand so that i had somebody to hold on to and then we got to the end of the number and all i remember is just deafening deafening applause it was a sort of otherworldly experience it was one of those moments that will stay with me the rest of my life unfortunately we filmed it i'm not a stranger to the dark Hide away, they say, 'cause we don't want your broken hearts. Learn to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say. of worthiness. Like you can watch her transform. And when she started to feel worthy, when she started to dare greatly out of that sense of worthiness, it transformed the room. If we could get our identity straight, if we could say with all confidence, I am enough, even when I'm literally not cutting it. If we could find a way to say, I am worthy, and not lean on things that aren't stable when we say that. If we could find a way to anchor our identity, it's a game changer. And it's so transformational that when we see it on each other, when we see it in ourselves, it's amazing. It's a behold. This morning, let's talk about worthiness, and let's begin to find things that we can actually lean on that will stand the test of time, that allow us to say, I'm worthy, even when my behavior might suggest I'm not. Even when somebody's feedback to me might suggest they question my worthiness, what can we do to get this sunk in, sinked in, in, just in, it's just in. All right, so I think step one is let's define what creates value. I think there's four different ways that we define value. Where do we get value from? The most obvious to me is market value. That's like, think Kelly Blue Book for your car. That some entity somewhere says, if you have a Toyota Corolla 1998 with a few dings and scrapes and power windows, it will be worth X number of dollars. That's market value. So that's one place that that we can define value. But I, my, the next one is my favorite, is sentimental value. That's a totally different thing. I do a lot of antiquing and estate sailing, and I regularly ascribe sentimental value to things that maybe others would not say. In fact, I, I'm pretty sure my niece is the one that coined this phrase. Auntie, is this your broken house? Like, I loved a house, but it, it had a lot of holes and things. There's sentimental value, so we might choose to ascribe value to something based on something other than what it is worth, like, being bought for, and then there's maker's value. I mean, your kids bring home how much art that is like, don't throw that away, (laughs) and you, you might have some sentimental value, but not enough maybe to keep your fridge just completely covered. So, there's maker's value. That's another place where we might get value from, but ultimately, Buyer's value is the one that really defines the worth of something. When someone motivated by sentimental value pays good money for a thing, they, they set the buyer's value for it. That's the real value. I had this gorgeous antique piano that I could not move from my house to an apartment when I was downsizing, and I was certain someone would love this piano like I would. I didn't find one buyer who would say that that thing was valuable in the way that I thought that thing was valuable. Ultimately, whether it is a good investment or a bad investment, the declared value of a thing is based on what someone is willing to pay for it. Buyer's value is the ultimate, even if it's motivated by different things. This is where we can start to understand our value in a different way. Because we have been bought. we have been purchased. I want to show you a verse from First Corinthians. "You do not belong. Oh, you do not belong to yourself, for God paid a great price for you." I don't know if you've ever studied my tattoos, probably not, but I have one here on my finger that has NFS on it and is shaped like a price tag. Because in my various antiquing, I regularly come across things that I think, oh, my word, this is fantastic. I must bring it home. And the next thing that I do is check the price tag because I, that's how I can find out whether or not I actually can bring that glorious thing home. And some of my favoriteest things I have seen while I was out antiquing, you turn the price tag over and it says NFS. Not for sale. <laughs> Rush! <laughs> That's always disappointing, and yet I always have a moment, whenever this happens, of identifying with the buyer, because clearly someone who owns this thing feels the same way about that thing that I feel about that thing. So I always mourn the fact that means I can't take it home, but it also means that somebody out there has said, this thing is so valuable to me for whatever reason, don't even ask. Don't, don't even bother to make an offer. It's not for sale. You and I are not for sale. We have been bought with a great price. That is the value of you. Whether you choose to believe it or not, it's the truth. It's the buyer's value. You have already been paid for. That is our worth. That is your worth and my worth. I'd like to pull a a Bible verse out of Romans as well. It says the same kind of idea. Some may die for a good person, others for a righteous one, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't matter whether or not you actually accept your worth. The price has already been paid. And I know for a ton of us, we really struggle to see our worth because we look at a verse like this and we see this magnanimous God who was kind enough to identify with us as sinners and pay something for us. But I don't think we see what God sees when he sees this verse. He doesn't look at, oh, you were a sinner and I still paid for you. Like that might be a bad investment. I don't know if that's ever going to pay off, but okay, I'm generous. Let's go for it. I think God looks and is like, I don't care what you call her. I don't care what you see. I see worth. I see a worthy investment. And in fact, throughout the Bible, God refers to us, and we'll see a couple of verses like that, but throughout the Bible, God refers to us as saints, as holy, as blameless. And you might internally think, well, you're an idiot because I can tell you I'm not a saint. I can tell you I am not blameless. I can tell you I don't fit any definition of holy. But it doesn't matter. It's his definition that counts. And I think when we look at a verse like this, we constantly wrestle in ourselves. How can God call us saint when all I feel is sinner? This saint versus sinner argument, if we could settle that, saint versus sinner, God says, I look at you, I see holy, blameless, valuable, worthy, righteous, without fault, worthy, and we see sinner. I'd like to give an analogy of this that I think you're probably going to resonate with. So I was raised a hunt, that's my maiden name, and hunts have very strong culture. Like, we were a very uh, a very strong culture. Like, our family culture was quite strong. And so, I've been married now for 10 years, and I joined the lamb family, and I am a lamb. All of my paperwork says I'm a lamb. I identify as lamb. I am now a lamb. But my husband would attest that I still sometimes act a lot like a hunt. Like, a, a lot like a hunt. <laughs> but I am a lamb. It doesn't matter how much I become like my mom. It doesn't matter. I am a lamb. I'm defined as a lamb, no matter how often I act like a hunt. You are a saint, no matter how often you act like a sinner. Your worth is not defined By your behavior. Your worth is defined by the value that God set on you when He paid the price. And you didn't earn it. You were still actively acting, identifying, being a sinner. But that value was already ascribed to you. I'd like to read another uh, verse that just points to this same concept. It's also in Romans. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That price that was paid, Jesus' life on your behalf, is the price that was paid. You have no condemnation. Holy, blameless, faultless. But we tend to define our worth on these false things. I'll put up a list here that is just going to seem like, yep, I recognize that. Accomplishment or notoriety, my personality. I'm worthy because I, I have a lot of introverted friends in my world, and regularly they give me the feedback that they wish they were more outgoing like I was. I cannot claim any kind of... I didn't pick this personality. <laughs> I can't claim anything. But the, our lives, our, our society loves boldness, and so we put a lot of worth there. It's really tempting for me to put a lot of my worth there on something that is not mine to claim. Our self-actualization, our wealth, or our zip code, beauty, physique, education, position, the initials behind our name. Like, there's a lot of places we can put our worth that look steadfast. They look steadfast. Like, I've now bought this house. This is my house. I identify as a east-west sider. Do you have your... You, yeah. We have our preferences. <laughs> We have our preferences. We're all represented in here, but we have our preferences. They look permanent, but then our house burns down. And insurance didn't cover, and we can't replace that that way. Or we get older, and we can no longer be in the profession that we have been in our whole lives, and our identity starts to wobble. Or we lose that job for one reason or another. They look permanent. They look like something you can count on. But they aren't. False worth, when we put it in the wrong spot, is an unsteady foundation. And it causes unsafe conditions, no matter if you think you're safe or not. False worth provides an unsteady foundation and unsafe uh, conditions. It's why we can, from moment to moment, feel our worth or not feel our worth based on... So yesterday, I already shared my story, feeling like I'm failing everywhere you could name. I was letting my niece and nephews down. I was letting my husband down. I was letting my house down. I was letting my own expectations down. I was letting my job down. I was letting my hobbies down. Like everywhere I looked, I felt less worthy because I wasn't performing in these things. It's very common for all of us to lean into these this morning, we sang a song, and I added this slide at the last second because it was too good to pass up. There is a line from a song that we sang this morning. Thank you, worship band. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I oh, thought that was so brilliant. We already had this slide that said, if you get your worth from the wrong spot, it's an unsteady foundation, and it makes unsafe conditions. This is where we build our worth. For those of us that are Jesus followers, I want to juxtapose this sentence with some of the things that we accidentally confuse it for because sometimes we maybe know better than to lean on our financial stability or we know better than to lean on our career. But I'm going to put up a second list that is really tempting for Christians to lean on. That we find our worth in things like our volunteerism or how well we're obeying God. God says, do this, don't do that. I don't do these things, I do these things. Or our generosity. Or I, I have forgiven them. I am worthy. Or how much we're sacrificing. It's really tempting, maybe, for Christians to look at the first list and say, okay, good, check, 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 and not realize that we are leaning on a wholly other unstable list. These are all wonderful things. That first list of where we might get our faults worth from, are wonderful things that I wish for you. I wish financial stability. I wish for you to love your personality. I wish for you these things as well. I wish for you, but this is not where we want to define our worth. These are like icing on the cake. These are the things that come after we have the ability to know who we are as God's children. So let's go back to that same list of what defines value and just talk through it from the lens of this idea of Jesus having paid something really expensive on our behalf. Market value. What's the going rate for a sinner? Well, last I checked, market value is often really correlated to supply and demand, So I'm going to say our market value is not that high because there seems to be a glut of sinners, no problem, and no one seems to really want to pay for them. (laughs) So market value is maybe not where we find our value in this case. But sentimental value, God calls us his children. There's a deep affection all the way through the, the pages of the Bible where God is crystal clear that his sentimental value on you and on I is high the sentimental value is high so let's talk about maker's value the story that's told in the bible that is the place where god chose to write his story is in the bible all the way through the narrative of that story is a god who made crafted sculpted touched up detailed his children you were made. Not only did he make you, he made you in his image in order to relate. The maker's value is insanely high on you. You are a fingerprint of God. And then the buyer's value is obvious. I'd like to share a verse from 1 Peter one eighteen to 19. That I just think it's beautiful. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors maybe don't raise your hand, but how many of us inherited some version of the false worth narratives that you will be worthy when you X, Y, or Z, when you have X, Y, or Z. Our culture has passed down a lineage of this empty life. And by empty, I don't mean that has no fulfillment. I mean, it's not a place that we can lean on with our worth in that way. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which loses its value. It was the precious blood of Jesus. God looked at us and said, here's something worth sacrificing something that I hold dear. And I love, like you might be able to picture that, but when I picture that, I picture agony. What agony to make a choice like that. That is a tough choice. But then this verse from Ephesians speaks to how God felt about that. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy. Here we are again. To be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus. This is what he wanted to do it's not begrudging. It's not obligatory. It's not, oh, they messed up. I guess I'm going to have to figure out how to solve that. It gave him great pleasure. I don't know. This might be a sentence that you spend some time this week in your request for worthiness to consider that God doesn't just love you. He likes you. It gives him great pleasure to express your value to reaffirm for you your worth. So this price, this buyer's value that was paid for us, confirms for us that we belong. The question is, can we believe? I know we talk a lot about faith being believing in Jesus, believing in God. What about the faith to believe what God says about you? What about the faith to believe you're a saint and not a sinner, no matter how often you act like a sinner? We belong. Can we have the faith to believe? This week, as we walk out this door, what's next? What's our next step? I'd like, no matter where you are, I'd like to take a step towards this level of confidence, towards a sense of worthiness. So I have a couple of ideas of where we might go next. First is, choose adoption. Whether or not you actually agree with God's worthiness is the difference between you feeling it or not feeling it. God says, long before I actually made you, I picked you, I chose you, I wanted to adopt you into my family, and I made a way to do it. That is a true statement whether you choose it or not. But your ability to feel it Is based on whether or not you choose to be adopted in. So choose adoption. If you are new to your faith, if you are exploring, let me be the first to tell you this is not a thing you earn. You do not get your act together and then come into this relationship. You come into this relationship and you sense the belonging. And in the safety of that belonging, in the partnership of that family, you begin to find the freedom that you wanted. You hear those whispers of invitation. Choose adoption. It is the most incredible sensation of belonging life has to offer. If you're already in that relationship, rest in that sense of belonging. And I'll just share just a smidge about what I think that looks like. You'll have your own tells. I don't, you know, have like a poker face? Like we have our tells. For me, I can tell that I am not resting in this sense of belonging when my chest has this little ball that is just tight. It's just tight. And I find my RPMs going up. I don't know. You might have tension in your shoulders. That might be where your tell is. You might have a little tiny bit of a ball in your stomach. You might hold your, I don't know where you hold your tension. But if we would start to pay attention to our tell, I cannot tell you, that's a lot of tells happening in here. (laughs) I cannot tell you how powerful it is to know what the sign is when I am losing my sense of belonging. So it was on a call with customer service recently. And I just found myself just angsty, just angsty. Well, I was being dehumanized. I mean, it it was not the best customer service call out there. But of course, in my angst, I'm feeling the need to make the point to the customer service person that I'm your customer that you're supposed to be serving. But when I think through this lens of worthiness, I can't believe how much it helps me not retaliate. It helps me to soothe that angst that I feel when I realize that tell is telling me this is a moment where I can rest in my identity. I don't need affirmation from outside of me that I am a customer worth serving in order to know that I'm a customer worth serving. And I don't need to wound back. I can rest. I feel the same kind of angst when I get cut off on the freeway. I don't know what your I don't know what your triggers are and I don't know what your tells are. But if this week if you just started to pay attention to your tells, where is that tension? When does it show up? And ask the question, okay, what would if I felt worthy? If I felt secure in my identity, what would change here? We will move steps forward in taking our worthiness as a known thing out of our head and pulling it into our being, into our identity that we can carry with us as we go. That's my wish for us this week, is just experimenting with this idea that you belong, and can we believe? As I close up, I just like to pray that over us. So if you wouldn't mind, you can keep your eyes open, you can close them, just get in this moment for just a moment. God, We got a lot of voices that say to us, not worthy. Our own might be the strongest. But we want to feel this to our bones. We want to walk into any circumstance that we encounter, not just this week, but beyond. We want to live in this place of knowing our value and out of that being able to to interact with other people in their value. We don't just want to build our confidence. We want to be the kind of people that build the confidence in other people because we stand in this place without struggle. This week, would you give us the courage to believe? For those of us here that need to believe that we are your children, would you give us the courage to step over that hurdle and just experiment with could that be true? For those of us that need to rest in our belonging, would you give us instances where we are just tooling along, not even realizing we're in angst, and you're like, hey, you feel that angst? Let's talk about worthiness. Would you prompt us? Would you give us clarity? Would you give us examples? Would you walk with us? Would you help us believe? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message.